Welcome to the Smeichel Speaks podcast channel. I'm Joanne Smeichel, and I'm delighted that you tuned in for relevant leadership learning that will help you continue to soar. Enjoy this episode. I am absolutely positively overjoyed to have Dr. Hope O'Brien as my guest on this episode of Next Chapters. This is a new series that I'm excited to launch, and who better to launch it with than Hope? Uh, I'm featuring interesting people, really interesting people who've taken risks and reinvented themselves by changing careers, buying or selling businesses, retiring, refiring, or just following their dreams in whatever direction their dreams take them. So Dr. O'Brien, Dr. Hope O'Brien, is a walking, talking, breathing, living example of courageously writing a brand new chapter, dreaming a new dream, and fulfilling your purpose, your divine purpose and promise. So welcome, Dr. O'Brien. Thank you, Dr. Smichael. It's a pleasure to be with you today. I'm excited. Let's get started. So you're the founder of the Headache Center of Hope in Mason, Ohio, correct? Yeah, so we're actually technically in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay. Now you founded it in 2020. Do I have that, that right? Correct. Uh, and this was after a very successful career. You were an associate professor. Uh, you were at Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And um, do I have that, that right? That is correct. Well, I got a million questions for you, Hope. I like, like really have a million questions, but I don't really know where to start. Okay, I'm going to start with your career stuff. What made you want to be a neurologist? And who in the world focuses on headaches? What in the world would make you want to be a headache neurologist? <laughs> so my path towards becoming a headache medicine neurologist really started in grade school. I had this love of science during the years I was in school. And I remember one of my teachers um, who really took a particular interest in me and, and really fostering that love for science said to me, you know, would you like to go on a field trip to a uh, to visit a college laboratory? And I said, yes, that would be great. So I, I went and I remember walking into that lab and seeing a jar that had a brain in it. And I thought, oh my gosh, this is the coolest thing. Everybody else was like grossed out, but I thought it was so cool. I got right up to that jar. I wanted to look what I see what it looked like up close. I actually wanted to touch it, but they wouldn't allow us to touch it. And so that's where my interest in the brain and neurology started. I was just fascinated by how this organ controlled our emotions, our thoughts, our movements, our ability to feel and touch. And we've come a long way. We still have some ways to go in terms of learning about the brain, but that I love that challenge. Okay. And this started in grade school, looking at a gross little brain in a jar. <laughs> sure did. <laughs> well, now your husband's a cardiologist. Did it start with him looking at a heart? No, jar? it did not. It did not. It was a little bit different. It started a little bit later in his career. <laughs> okay. So I want to know about your academic preparation. You you didn't just kind of happen into this. So let's get the ball rolling about your, how did you get ready to be a neurologist? So my parents are immigrants from Jamaica. And, you know, there's this expectation that, you know, education is important, take advantage of the opportunities. 
And they fostered us really going through and, and doing well, going to college. And so when I was looking at where to go in terms of um, deciding on a university, I, I knew I wanted to enter a career in science and, and, and go to medical school. So I looked to see which universities uh, had high success in graduating individuals who are accepted into medical school. And I would say those college years weren't easy. I actually had a faculty advisor um, try to sway me away from going to medical school and because she felt my performance was not competitive enough. But I took a pause and I considered and I said, you know, even though I didn't see a lot of physicians who looked like myself, I was determined to pursue medicine all the more. Mm-hmm. In spite of someone trying to derail you. Yeah, I think that's an important message, Hope, that along our journeys, everybody is not going to be a supporter and everybody's not going to be an encourager. And some people are going to be downright detractors. So I think that's really important that you persisted in spite of that. Yeah. So where'd you do undergrad? Where'd you do med school? Um, I know, you did a fellowship somewhere. Yes, too, really. I did. did so I did my undergrad at the University of Cincinnati. I'm sorry. I did my undergrad at the University of Rochester in Rochester, New York. And then I um, did four years of research because I thought, you know what? I really love research. I want to study the brain a little bit more. But then in doing that, I said, you know, I, I really want to become a doctor. So I ended up going to medical school at the University of Cincinnati College of Medicine and then uh, pursued my career in neurology by staying there and doing my neurology residency. And then I just fell in love with headache medicine and decided to pursue that through Cincinnati Children's Hospital. And I wonder, okay, you're an adult neurologist. Did you end up at Children's? Well, I was very strategic even at that stage because I saw there was a need in trying to figure out how do patients become so intractable in adulthood. So I wanted to rewind and reach and study, research them and study them while they were kids. So I did a fellowship through Cincinnati Children's where it was a combined pediatric and adult headache medicine fellowship. And that way I could market myself across all ages. Ah, very, very interesting. Speaking of marketing yourself and not just in the academic realm, you do some work with pharma, correct? Uh, Uh, When I say pharma, let me catch people up. I'm talking about the pharmaceutical industry. Tell us about the work you do with pharma. Yeah, so I develop a relationship with companies who create medicines that treat migraine. And I've met some amazing individuals in pharma. And by partnering with the companies, it affords me the opportunity to not only educate other physicians and providers about the most recent scientific information related to new products, it also allowed me to teach individuals how to appropriately use these medications and spread the awareness about migraine, reduce stigma, and also gain a level of exposures to the younger generation to, that can then see doctors who look like me um, and hopefully inspire them to become neurologists. Mm-hmm. So people are hearing this, they're not seeing this. So people don't know that you're an African-American woman. So when you say doctors who look like me, you mean African-American women. That is correct. When I was growing up, I didn't see, I really didn't see any doctors who were Black or who looked like me. And so um, it wasn't until I uh, graduated high school when I met my first Black doctor. Can you believe that? Wow. 
Wow. That's amazing. That is amazing, amazing, amazing. Now, my first black doctor, I met him when I was a little kid. It was Dr. McCoy. He was my pediatrician. Um, So that's very interesting. (laughs) Yep. In Buffalo, New York. (laughs) Give us credit for some progress there. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, dear. So now I want to just transition a little bit. And well, wait, before I transition a little bit, I do want to talk about how you made the bridge and got into working with pharma because some physicians, a lot of physicians think A, pharma evil and B, how could I possibly get in? So will you just talk just a little bit about how you did that in in your career? Because this is about next chapters and preparation. So how did you do that? Yeah, so I took advantage of the opportunity I had at going to medical conferences. So during these conferences, there are um, sections where the pharmaceutical companies are allowed to display their product and give education to providers. So I tried to meet with as many individuals who were in the migraine space as possible. And part of that is because I wanted to stay up to date with the latest and greatest in scientific evidence for these treatment options. But I also wanted them to know me. Right. And Mm -hmm. I also voiced my um, desire to work with them, to be on the speaker bureaus, um, to be educated um, and um, and developing their products as well. And so it was building relationships with specific individuals that began my journey towards um, that collaboration. Okay, cool. So it was intentional. It did not happen by accident. You put some effort into it. And, you know, took stuck your toe into new water. That is correct. And it's paid off. That's correct. Paid off. So now I want to move to the dream, the dream for the headache center of hope. (laughs) My baby. That's right. Tell me first, what was your dream? What was the dream? Oh, my goodness. So I will have to say that, um, you know, if you were to ask me when I was a little girl, you know, the age five, six, you know, the dream has changed. And of course, as you go through life, your dreams change. So, you know, initially, I had dreamed to become a doctor, right? And then it became more focused to dreaming to become a neurologist. And I will tell you, um, that dream was almost squashed during residency, (laughs) during the long days and nights, (laughs) and that were quite challenging. But then, you know, once I got to that dream of here I am, I'm a neurologist, I'm a professor at a university, you know, what what happens next? You know, my my dream has to go on. I, I need more dreams. And so I had dreamed to own my own practice and... That decision and that dream came about as I was sitting in my office and I said, okay, here I am. I'm in academics. You know, do I see myself now um, furthering my career as a dean of a university or on leadership at a university? Or did I see myself sort of changing directions now into owning a practice, which I thought was, you know, sort of at the opposite end of the spectrum. Nobody really teaches you how to do this, but this was something that was, um, that I desired. And so I said, okay, well, let's make it happen. All right. So what made you make it happen? What compelled you? Because lots of people say, let's make it happen and don't do anything. So what compelled you to go from dreaming to doing? And The second piece of that question is, how did you know that you could do it? So first, Joanne, I had to come up with a strategic plan with steps towards my goal. 
Then I had to make the decision to act. And for me, it required self-motivation, family and friend encouragement, and support through mentorship. I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but I had to, I've seen others that had done it and did it well, and I believed I could do it too. I also okay. knew that if I didn't try, I'd never achieve my dreams. So it started in the head with belief in yourself, with surrounding yourself with the right people. Um, I know something else about you that my listeners do not know. And that is that you are a woman of faith. How did that play in? Absolutely, I am. And so every morning I make time to read the Bible and pray and really seek out you know, guidance in terms of, you know, what my day was made up of. And so, you know, it's also an opportunity for me to reflect on some of the, you know, positive or even negative internal dialogue that goes on. And I had to sort of squash the negative and really uh, enhance the positive dialogue. And and yes, I, I, I definitely pray and make sure I meditate on those positive scriptures. Mm-hmm. When you were thinking about and planning for the Headache Center of Hope, did you see any models, any models of this type of medical practice? So the short answer is yes, but with the caveat that I didn't see many models where you had a neurologist um, participate in a direct to consumer or cash only practice. So I, um, of course, private practice exists. There are many models of private practices, but what I wanted was an opportunity where I could sit down, spend time with patients, really get to listen to them, learn from them, work with them, um, and then uh, be able to come up with a treatment plan that would get them better. And I knew that in the model where um, you would have to work with insurance companies, you were limited to the time that you could spend with patients. And I did not want that. So I made the decision to opt out of insurance and go directly to cash only payments. It was transparent. Patients knew what they were getting. And there's also a concierge piece where patients have direct access to my cell phone. They can call me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now imagine if you are somebody who has frequent headaches and you get into a crisis, you need somebody, you need help. And so I wanted to offer that. And that is not too common, especially in um, in the neurology practice. Oh, that's cool. I belong to a concierge practice and it really does it reminds me of what medicine used to be, and it is worth the investment for me to have that relationship with my physician, my doctor. Yeah. All right. Now, the last question I want to ask you is this. What advice would you give to other dreamers, people who are holding a dream in their heart and haven't figured out how to do it? Don't give up on your dreams. Start with self-reflection and identify the internal dialogue that may be holding you back from moving on and taking steps closer to your dreams. Learn to be comfortable with feeling uncomfortable, okay? And don't be afraid to fail. Have a plan, seek guidance, and set a date to act on the decision. I like that. 
So Hope, you have really given us a lot to think about in terms of dreaming and preparing. I want you to come back because I want you to come back to talk about how you went from dreaming to doing. You mentioned strategy, and I want you to come back on another episode to talk about strategy and to share um, beyond the preparation. We'll come back. Oh, absolutely. It'd be my pleasure. Well, thank you for sharing your time with us today. And I look forward to you returning for another episode on this Michael Speaks podcast channel. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Michael. Thanks for listening to this podcast. I hope that you got tools that you'll actually use and share. Subscribe to get more relevant leadership learning. Check out my YouTube channel to stay prepared for leading in an ever-evolving world.